this week on the It's a Monkey podcast. Easy win. So let's just say you've been producing content for a long time. Go, instead of trying to produce more content and continue that never-ending cycle of updating stuff, go back to your top content, your top traffic content of the last year and make that better. Easy wins. You can start to see 10, 20, 30% gains in views to that actual content just by updating it, adding images. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Kevin Garber. It is Friday, the 27th of January, if you're listening to the podcast. Um, if you're watching us on Periscope Live, which we've been trying to Periscope these podcasts live as much as we can, it is Wednesday, the 25th of January in Sydney, Australia, probably still Tuesday, the 24th of January. Um, if you are watching the Periscope from the United States, a lot of time zones going on. My name is Kevin Garber. I am the CEO of Manage Flitter, the co-founder of Manage Flitter. With me as usual is my co-host, Kate Frappel, who is the design lead at Manage Flitter. Kate, thank you for joining us on episode 78 of the It's a Monkey Tech podcast. No problems. If you're listening to the show, you might want to, uh, um, if, you ha- if you missed episode 77, we had a great interview with Dr. John Demartini, who's a performance specialist, author, really interesting guy. Um, pop along to the uh, previous version of the podcast. You can always go to itsamonkey.com and you can have a look at earlier versions of the podcast. We have 78 episodes, I should say. We got a tweet a few weeks ago from a chap saying he's just discovered the podcast and he's going to binge listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> from the beginning? Uh, yeah, look, I'm... <laughs> I was a bit scared to ask. Um, <laughs> I almost felt bad for him. But anyway, if you... Uh, be a good are, idea, actually. I should go back to number one. I'm scared to listen to number one. Um, I'm, I'm sure we've probably upped our game and production value and content and everything else. Um, so we've got some interesting guests coming up in the next few weeks. We're really working hard this year to uh, find some interesting guests. Um, one of the execs from Basecamp, um, David Hanemeyer Hansen. I just want to check that. Uh, um, his Twitter handle is DHH, and I sort of always want to say DHH. Um, he's going to be joining us. David Hanemeyer Hansen, he's the creator of Ruby on Rails, founder and CTO at Basecamp, formerly 37 Signals. Super interesting guy, um, quite outspoken, very opinionated and very smart he's going to be hopefully on next week's podcast so stick around till then later on in today's show um sujan patel who's a content marketer uh, we chatted to him about some of the latest trends and insights into content marketing which uh, which of course is becoming so relevant we'll chat a little bit later on in the show and um also um Later on the show, we're going to play a, a startup minute. If you a startup, small business anywhere in the world and you want a free bit of free publicity, it's really hard to get going a business with nothing. Usually your marketing's on a shoestring. Um, you want those links to, to help your SEO. We offer something, just a free little um, slot on our podcast. If you send in a 45-second audio um, telling us a little bit about your business um, we will play it on this podcast so before we get into the tech news just going to hop over to uh, the startup minute that someone sent through this week hi kevin and podcast crew thanks for the great show i am matt hoggett one of the co-founders of prezi we would love to share with your listeners a little bit about prezi digital gift cards prezi is an app and website that solves the age-old problem of leaving your gift cards at home with prezi you can buy send, store, and redeem digital gift cards all from your mobile phone. We recently released Schedule Delivery, 
and you can even get free gift cards when you refer a friend. You can choose gift cards from Maya, David Jones, JB Hi-Fi, Target, Kmart and more. We even developed the Prezi Swap Card, which allows your friend to choose the gift card of their choice. Prezi launched in December 2015 and in just one year we have become Australia's largest marketplace for digital gift cards. We started with five retailers and now we have over 40. It's been an incredible journey to date and it's only been year one. If you want to check us out, please go to www.prezzee.com.au. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's get straight into all the tech news this week. As usual, lots and lots to tell. Kate, Samsung, um, they had a, a, a disaster last year. I really felt bad for them with the Galaxy Note 7. Um, the phones started catching fire everywhere, so much so that many airlines even said you cannot bring these phones on the plane. The phone was very much liked. Even um, Joe Pinto, who's a, a managed Flutter team member, I can't even keep up with the role she's got. What's her official title, <laughs> Joe's? Uh, so Joe's the bomb, the business. Business operations manager. Business operations <laughs> manager. She um, loved the Note 7 and she had to send it back and uh, all that um, excitement. And um, Samsung have come come out and actually explained what, what actually went on. They set up a special research lab to try find out why were these phones catching a light. First, they thought it might be the USB. They might. Um, they thought it might be, um, you know, some of um, other elements um, of the phone, like the iris scanner or um, the charging aspect. But what they found out it was it was actually the battery itself. There were some weak welding points on the battery. There were some other issues um, on the battery. And Joe's actually watching us on Periscope, and she actually just said she can't wait for the Note Eight. <laughs> um, Joe always has very specific um, opinions about things, which we love. So Samsung have come out and said, well, it, it, you know, we can confirm. We, they actually found what the, the issues were, which in one way is good. In another way, it's a little bit concerning that their quality control, um, you know, this, this slip-through testing quality control, and it also shows us that whilst we, you know, these phones work so easily and continuously and generally problematic free, um, there's still a lot of complex tech going on in the background. Yeah, I think it's very surprising that they didn't pick up on this earlier. Uh, and even the fact that they did two different types of batteries, so they recalled twice and the second time was permanent, but they've had to do it twice in order to get it right. Hard stuff. And of course, it's actually impacted them um, significantly on the financial side of things, as you would expect it would. Um, Samsung Galaxy Note disaster will cut operating profit by more than $2.6 billion in quarter four um, 2016 and quarter one 2017. Um, tough stuff. So, um, But look, they found the source of it. Um, I think some people were even quite... Um, quite injured right some some pretty some, badly some injured. some i believe phones. yeah but mostly for samsung it was just a timing issue the um apple 7 and, and 7 plus that came out at a similar time and then shortly after that the google pixel so everyone that sort of sent their phones back joe included uh ended up getting the pixel and Joe's got the Pixel. She's still got the Pixel? Yes. I remember she wasn't um, – we had her on the podcast talking about the Pixel a few few episodes ago. She had mixed feelings. She said it was almost a little bit too raw in terms of, you, you know, the, the developers love it because everything's native. But there's almost – there's not there wasn't even a um, an alarm clock on it, right? 
Oh, really? Yeah, and she had to find an app for an alarm clock and it was just mm-hmm. really bare bones with the native Android. Um, I suppose the benefit is you can choose your own and uh, you've got flexibility there to sort of pick your favourite functionality and stuff, whereas with Apple you sort of you get what you're given. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, let's see what the Galaxy Note 8 is and um, I'm sure the CEO, um, have, having been a, a CEO myself sometimes in, in bumpy times, um, I know it's not fun, and um, you know I'm sure I'm sure that CEO has uh, is looking forward to greener pastures uh, with with less issues. Um, so that's Samsung Galaxy Note Seven batteries. I stumbled upon an interesting article um, in the Scientific American. Um, uh, sorry, no, it wasn't the Scientific American. New Scientist, um, uh, which we'll link to on the show notes. We always link on the show notes to. Uh, um, some of our news stories. And uh, this really caught my eye. Brainwaves could act as your password, but not if you're drunk. Yes. Let, let's get plenty into Plenty of complications. <laughs> plenty of com- <laughs> but let's, let's, let's not talk about the drunk aspect for the moment, but um, how fantastic, you know, I think we all have such password fatigue and you can use password managers, which I recommend. Some people aren't even aware there are such a things as a password manager. If you're listening to the show and you use more than three passwords, which nearly all of us need to do. Google Password Manager, set it up. The good thing with the Password Manager is that you don't have to use the same password for every um, service. You can change them into a very strong password, which is good. You can change them frequently and your Password Manager will help guide you around the process. And even interestingly, um, and there's enterprise password managers that companies can use to help manage sharing passwords with teams. So if you're a business, even with two, three people, use a password manager. Um, it will it will help your your life a lot. If a team member leaves, new team members join, helps it a lot. But that's passwords. But talking about brainwaves, wouldn't it be fantastic um, if they implement these this brainwave technology that instead of going and getting presented with a password entry box. Um, they display something on the screen and you just have to view it and an EEG monitor monitors your brain and your brain signature will either check in or it won't check. Yeah, the, um, so the EEG is a type of authentication. Uh, the problems would be um, that your brain waves actually get affected by things like tiredness and fatigue. Um, and even exercise, right? And exercise, yeah. Right. Although apparently you can recover quite quickly from so exercise. So straight after exercise, your brainwave signature changes, yep. but then it comes back to the norm. Uh, sure. And then, of course, furthering from there was um, medication, uh, drugs, alcohol, uh, stress, even caffeine as well can affect your um, your brainwave. So, I mean, these people are proposing as well that you can... Um, map out a template of your brainwave uh, and test it in, in different uh, circumstances and then it'll create sort of a uh, – they can use machine learning to make your signature a little bit broader. I mean, they've already got it up to um, 94%, I believe. Accuracy. Accuracy on a, on a standard measure, which is pretty um, – with accuracy rates around 94%. Um, yeah, and uh, so that's – so alcohol can decline that to 33%. Yeah, so it drops it quite a lot. Um, interesting. I mean, I think, um, you know, the promise of a replacement for the password is just uh, everyone's waiting for it, you know. Yeah. And biometrics well, like of some sort has always been the hope. Yeah. Well, like you said, the password managers are good because you only have to remember 
one password. So one strong one to get into your password manager and then everything else is stored. So you don't really mind that so much, but you still have to think about it. Whereas this uh, EEG technology, you wouldn't really have to think about anything. Yeah, I mean, even though the actual thought is what's giving you the signature in, which is... Yeah, or they're presenting something that you can read or view and it's your, I guess, reaction and thoughts to the stimuli. Really interesting. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, if they're already at 94%, there's not, there's not that much further to go um, to, to really get it to that 100%. I mean, you do, you do sort of need the 100%, right? Because, or at least the 99.9, because if you want to log into your Gmail and How you're, having, you're having a bad <laughs> day and it's like, please, relax you're it's not matching you to relax you're just wanting to get into your gmail oh. <laughs> anyone that tells you to relax is like a a knee-jerk reaction to do the opposite exactly so um so so yeah i mean it's uh i think we still labored with passwords for a for a little while um yet but um there's uh, a lot of new options on the way. Um, anyway, that's the news for this week. Um, reminder, you can tweet us at Monkey Podcast. You can email us at podcastedittermonkey.com. Send us those startup minutes. We'll give you a link on our site, which is going to give you some nice uh, options for um, your, your SEO. And, um, yeah, we're going to take a short break and going to come back with our interview with Sujan Patel. And we're going to be talking about um, everything relating content marketing. Um, so just stay with us. Hi, my name is Dave Zarati, and I'm the customer support specialist here at Manage Flitter. Manage Flitter is a tool that helps you work faster and smarter on Twitter. With Manage Flitter, you can clean up and grow your Twitter account. You will also get access to useful Twitter analytics, social content scheduling, and much more. Go to manageflitter.com and start your free trial today. You're back with It's a Monkey podcast. We talk about everything relating to entrepreneurship, tech economy, startups, online marketing, you name it. And uh, I was lucky enough to track down um, a fantastic content marketer who I've been reading his work's been popping up everywhere on uh, Forbes magazine. And, um, you know, I've really loved his article and I reached out and he's uh, kindly enough to uh, have joined us on uh, this week's podcast. Sujan Patel, who's the co-founder of Web Profits, also the, the founder of a, a couple of SaaS startups one of which is Mailshake.com. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited to talk to you today. So, I, I mean, I want to share a little anecdote about how important content marketing is, um, which I think, you, you, you know, is I've been, I was thinking on the way here, um, you, you know, even though everyone's, you know, it's a buzzword and it's everyone's involved with it. Um, it's one of these things that, uh, you know, not many people are actually doing well and doing properly and doing in a way that actually helps them. About a couple of weeks ago, I was Googling for some software to help us with some Periscope streaming. We're trying to get more into um, um, Periscoping our podcast. Uh, we got approved for the Periscope producer where you can hook in different production um, software so that you can control your live streaming better. And I was looking for a piece of software that would help me live stream Skype um, in a much sort of more direct way. Anyway, I Googled probably for about an hour one day and an hour and the next day. Long story short, I eventually found a fantastic piece of software that provides all sorts of bells and whistles. But it was so buried deep within the web, uh, not doing any content marketing, not one 
blog article by them or someone else on how they can help you um, periscope your Skype chats, etc. And they almost lost a customer in me um, in that they were just absolutely undiscoverable because they had nothing on themselves or what they do out there. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's a big problem, right? I think uh, everybody does, you know, has this same thing. Well, one, you know, it's 2016 going into 2017. The world is saturated with stuff. And so I think you have to stand out. I think standing out um, above the crowd um, requires you to do something different, more being better, whatever that may be. There is no magic bullet, but it does require going above and beyond. I think people simply put stuff out there or, you know, there's a lot of tools and, 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 and little tools or little companies fail to make it um, through the cracks. They, they didn't even have the basics though. They literally didn't, you know, they didn't even have a couple of articles. I would have picked up something somewhere um, and it was only via, I think, some obscure Reddit thread or something, you know, incredibly deep. I think, I think uh, that, that they weren't even um, failing on the nuanced long tail side of it, you know. So I think um, at the very least, I think the competitive environment just demands all companies to, to have some sort of content marketing efforts, right? Yeah, definitely. So I think the, the simplest thing is, and, and this is a, a very excuse-free advice here, if you cannot create content, meaning you don't have the budget, the time, the resources, whatever, uh, curate content. You cannot create it, curate. Education, communication with your customers and giving them more value to continue to deliver value from a, as a brand is the number one important thing. Well, if you can write content and it could be your own words, even better. But uh, there's plenty of sites uh, and plenty of companies that have built a, an amazing kind of a uh, network and connection with their customers or potential customers and got branding and marketing from it by just sharing really good information because even like the the problem you pose in the beginning finding you know great information or coming across you know coming across sites that don't have anything finding information is still very hard so uh, having that is is very important so t tell us um some companies or give us an example of a company that is doing things right at the moment. doesn't matter if it's a big brand or one of your customers or not one of your customers and tell us uh, why you think they, they're doing it well. Yeah, I think um, one of my favorite companies is uh, Airbnb. They, uh, in terms of marketing, they have, they're, they're one of the few brands online. Um, I mean, internet companies that, have a personality and um you know they have a personality but they have very good information and you know they didn't get to where they are today overnight so you know that one caveat don't you know don't doesn't have to happen tomorrow but um if you look if you know i was planning a trip to to barcelona with my wife and you know i looked at like things to do and whatnot and there's the there's a trip advisors of the world and there's, you know, there's reviews and, and the community aspect, but I don't really care. I want, I want to know like more definitively what to do. And I don't want to read a book. Um, and you know, I trust Airbnb because frankly it's uh, you know, it's a newer way of, uh, of, of getting around or, you know, not getting around, but like traveling. And, and, um, when you go to their site, 
they know people have this question of where should they stay, what should they do. So they have these really rich guides on things to do, places to eat, um, and it's very um, interactional based off of the location you're staying in or choosing. Um, and so it's information like an ebook or content that follows you along. Love that. Um, the guys over at Drift are another great company. Um, they are a, I don't even know how to explain it, like a CRM or uh, marketing automation slash like in-app messaging. Um, so kind of like Intercom. Um, they're late to the game, a little later at least, but they have, you know, uh, when you engage with them on social media or when you engage with their product start a trial, they start to engage with you on social media. So it's like they take something that is a, a transaction like starting a trial or, you know, that's you attempting to do something and they start turning it into a conversation. And so, you know, your trust level increases your willingness to do something. And so those two brands I have a lot of respect for. And, you know, they're not the first to do this. You know, the HubSpots of the world and and and, and many other companies have done, have started this. But these are those are two companies I see doing a great job today. I mean, where's this all going to end with, uh, you know, is it only the beginning or is it the, the end for content marketing, the sense of, you know, the saturation points of, um, you know, so much content being out there, um, is it you know what's 2070 what what conversation are we going to having uh, this time next year is content still going to be the you know the underpinning underpinning currency um, of marketing on the web or are, is it shifting um, in some sort of other direction um so i think what you're going to see is a lot more focus on quality um and, and a lot of that regular content. So, so one, the bar is going to rise. It, it's, it's, uh, you, you can't create good content anymore. You have to create great content and that great content that was getting you amazing results. Well, it's still going to work, but you got to step it up and not create, create amazing content because it's been said, uh, it's been said before people are doing it. And because more companies are investing in content marketing, the bar again is just, has just raised. So, Quality over quantity. I mean, that's been the same trend for you know a decade. But I mean, I mean it to the point where create. Go spend three months or two months creating one piece of content. Now, um, combine that with curation, or combine that with something that you can do a little bit more regularly um, to maybe nurture your existing audience or kind of build up a, an audience where it's going to grow one percent month over month, kind of like a savings account. Um, or something of that nature, but then you have these really big pieces of content, and I call them epic content. I think that's going to rise. I think video. Uh, I said this in 2016, but it's coming back again. Um, you know, live video like Facebook Live. Oh, geez, I don't even know what the Instagram. I think it's Instagram Stories. Uh, I should know the Snapchat. I, I think they it's, just call it Instagram Live, but I also might be uh, under correction as well. Yeah, honestly, uh, you know, Instagram is great. I don't use it personally as a channel for any of our brands because we're in the B2B space. Uh, our, you know, Web Profits does, but um, I, I kind of keep my nose out of things and let them do their thing, let the social media guys do their thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, regardless, I think there's the, the, the quality and, and the bar is going to rise. Um, you know, old school formats like YouTube, don't, like YouTube is such a big. Uh, it's the second biggest search engine, so don't forget about that. And and I think like uh, 
it's not about the page views anymore. It's about that relationship. And so all the live channels I just mentioned, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, reach is great, uh, but engagement, the connection you're going to have. So it's very much content that is closer to the middle of the funnel and the consideration stage. So it's awesome that you can get something that, uh, you know, a piece of content that probably doesn't take that long to create to actually get buyers closer to making a decision. Uh, again, videos, UGC. So like, um, I just gave this, uh, advice to a, an e-commerce company. They're a motorcycle company. They're a potential client of ours. And if you're a motorcycle rider, this is specifically KTM. So it's like a dirt bike, uh, dirt biking and off-roading and things like that. You know, if you're into that, you're pretty avid, like you're pretty, not avid, you're pretty, um, passionate passionate and enthusiastic about the sport, right? You're, you're a hobbyist. You're doing this for fun. Cause let's, there is no need in the world to use a dirt bike for commuting, right? Like that's not a thing you do it as a hobby. And so people buying parts and doing all these things, um, they, they are doing it for fun and, and they're going to share their experiences. In fact, they already are sharing every time they ride their dirt bike. And so what we recommended to them is when people buy parts from you, when people buy things from you, encourage them to share your photos and in fact like just like amazon does it and a lot of these large players like yelp do this with ugc for you know their their big companies you could do as an e-commerce owner um asking your customers to send you pictures of the part like a real life picture uh, maybe you know uh, maybe they won't post that on instagram but maybe you can post um the person riding the bike, maybe they bought some parts or, you know, a new kickstand or they did a new trick. It's, you know, people want to hear from that. You have live customers and that when somebody can click through an Instagram picture, that's real. Uh, same advice I gave to a, uh, or, or same thing. One of our other clients is doing in the travel space. Um, they do all these exotic vacations. And you know, you can post the best pictures of an Africa tour, right? And you can see an elephant and blah, 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 all this amazing stuff. But like, is that, you know, the customer or the potential customer is thinking, is that really the experience I'm gonna have? And so it solves a big friction point. So all these types of content, they don't just fit in the top of the funnel. They're gonna fit into the consideration, kind of the purchase. They're gonna make a bigger influence on and actually the decision. Is um is Google getting worse at what they do? I mean, they seem to have moved from into sort of a new age algorithm that uses uh, you know machine learning and um, you know some other um, you know technologies. But I've been struggling for the last maybe year or eighteen months or so to find what I want on Google, and a lot of old content's been surfaced sort of on the on the first page of results. Um, what's your view with what's actually, I mean, Google's obviously what underpins a lot of all these content marketing efforts. Um, what's your view on what's going on with Google and where they're going to? Um, I think it's for the better, honestly. Uh, you know, you're right in the sense that like there is a lot of, of old, you know, content that like just kind of is floating around. It's getting kind of stale. And I think what's happening is that, I mean, the reason that's happening is because that the world is, the, the internet world is moving much, much faster. And so something that I would have considered relevant from 2013 is just like, that's old. I don't care about what happened in 2013. There was no such thing as like a whole new platform, right? And so the internet age is just speeding up. 
But I think it's they're they're doing it for the better to to counter, you know, SEO spammers, you know, the old school link building. I still think, by the way, that stuff, link building and SEO still work. They're just harder and you have to do it. You have to incorporate it into all of your marketing. But ultimately, they're making it harder to game the system. Um, and I think there's gaps along the way that they'll probably patch. And um, so you mentioned if you can't uh – you know, have if you don't have resources to create new content, perhaps you can just at least start curating content, which uh, you know is actually incredibly useful. Because uh, I mean, I, I almost feel like we've reached peak content on the internet. You know, even in the startup world, there's just so many fantastic videos and fantastic blog posts and fantastic conferences, and you're just drowning in this information. And if someone, the people that curate it well, it actually provides a huge amount of value because they let you, you know, cut right through it and just, you know, let you use that 10 minutes you have very well. But what other, um, you know, um, not well-known, I guess, um, you know, techniques or strategies, you know, everyone, you know, knows about putting some blog posts and some videos. What other quick wins have you seen that that can work with, for companies, whether they're e-commerce or SaaS or even sort of bricks and mortar or professional services? Yeah, so easy win. So let's just say you've been producing content for a long time. Go, instead of trying to produce more content and continue that never-ending cycle of updating stuff, Go back to your top content, your top traffic content of the last year and make that better. Easy wins. You can start to see 10, 20, 30% gains in views to that actual content just by updating it, adding images. You know, you get, let's just say you, you know, you get like 5,000 visitors in a year, right? Which is not that much to a p- your best piece of content or maybe even 2,000. Well, if you were just to add some social sharing elements like click to tweet or, you know, even just a share bar or more prominent or uh, uh, add a quote and, um, and, and make it an image or, again, do all of these things. Those 1,000 people or 5,000 people that come to your site, the odds of one or two, the percentages of you know, just a handful of people sharing it or spreading the word is going to cause this kind of uptick. You're going to get a little bit more people. And you know, more likely with, with a lot more mixed media embedding videos and adding images and shareable elements to the article, it's also going to help you rank better for whatever keywords it's ranking for and to get, get more shares. And so it gets that ball rolling on old content. In fact, one of the things I do is I take that my, my best content, my old content, and I'll go double down on it instead of just updating it. If it's a good piece of content or if it's a good topic that has potential for a very big keyword or you know, let's say I can target a mid-tail keyword, I'll go pretty much rewrite the whole thing, make it even better, or I'll change the format up. So I already know, let's say this piece of this topic worked well, I'll go create a video on it. I'll go create images on it. I'll go create a slide share. So all of these different things you can do based off of what you know has already driven traffic to your site. So that's number one. Number two is it's about relationships. So this is not necessarily a quick win, but once you have them, once you have your network, it's these relationships that are going to give you these quick wins. It's the people on your side that are helping you promote your content or advocating your cause or whatever it may be. What I mean is if you're an e-commerce site and let's just say you're in the fashion space, right? Um, you're selling beauty products or you know, there's this company that just sells like these little mermaid 
blankets and you just put your feet into this like little mermaid like thing. It's, you know, it's, it's a pretty cute thing. But if that, if I were in their shoes, um, I would go and connect with all the other fashion and, and like home decor bloggers and whatnot and just see how I can help them uh, and make sure, you know, you just build these relationships with people that when you need help, you don't have to ask for it. So it's not fast to build these relationships, but I would recommend doing this. And, and you know, one of the things um, I, I've done over the years is, is do a lot of these things. And I actually did this through like act, going offline um, and, and uh, you know, connecting with people at conferences, hosting dinners and every place I would go to for vacation or fun. I would email all the top people there and a few of my friends um, and, and just host a small dinner. Um, no agenda, nothing. And over time I ended up connecting with hundreds of people and they brought more people. And, and again, like just by breaking bread with people, now I no longer have to boat, go and promote content for some, most of my brands. I just publish it. And because enough people are aware of it, uh, you know, I don't have to do anything. So it's a shortcut that works out in the long run. I think um, I think people forget sometimes about that offline world. We've had good success as well in New York with some um, events and you know some uh, some workshops, etc. And even though you know it's it's nothing compared to the the thousands that you can pull in online, a lot of the time the people that do come to those are very strong influencers, or you can form relationships for um, you know joint marketing efforts or, or, or aspects like that. So I think you know people really shouldn't forget about those those easy offline um, sort of initiatives that that can feed very nicely into your brand and your marketing yeah exactly and so uh, you know I think a lot of companies are doubling down on events and conferences and so there's a lot of things happening um, offline and so soon we're gonna go back into the uh, you know the age of like let's go back online so I think it ultimately comes down to um, where are open pockets whether it's content, SEO, Facebook ads, whatever, Facebook Live, where are open pockets where your competitors suck at <laughs> that you could dominate, right? And what can you get into early? What can you get into being be the best? How could you build an audience in any one of these platforms? I have a friend who is absolutely crushing it. He's a, you know, he's, he's a blogger, um, writer and, on Snapchat. Um, and I started maybe a year, six months, nine months after him, but his dedication, his commitment. Now he's getting invited to like all these major technology events, like CES. He like live covered like a Wall Street Journal um, conference, and so like he's just he became an influencer. Does he? You know, no offense to this guy, I won't name him. Is he the most credible person um, or the most experienced person in in the space? No. Does he dominate a channel? Yes. And he has something that these publishers don't have or these people don't have. And so um, he has that following on that one channel. And so, you know, again, focus on things you can be the best at and open channels. I think also, uh, you know, people um, need to realize that magic happens when you um, stay consistent with something, you know. So if you do want to blog once a week and you stick with it for six months and it is obviously of a certain level of quality some magic will start to happen i think some people give up too quickly on their initiatives whether it's building an instagram account building a twitter account building a snapchat you know you do have to push on through with that you know consistency 
Um, and then things, you know, all sorts of indirect benefits uh, flow on through. Yeah, exactly. It's all about consistency and time, right? The guy who came in first, the guy like uh, the person who's been doing it for 10 years, they're not winning because they did some magical thing or they did something awesome this year. They're winning because they've done it for 10 years, right? And um, and then you should think about what can you do to start making the biggest traction. I think with content marketing, this is my biggest pet peeve, is people give up too early. Mm. People have unrealistic expectation of results in three months, four months, six months. I think six months is like the bare minimum you're going to get an ounce of results, I think 12, 18, 24 months, you know, year two essentially is when you're going to start to see real results. And I think most people give up. But um, to me, I just think of it as, hey, less competition. Yeah, I think uh, most people don't stick with things in life. And, uh, you know, I think uh, there's always a competitive competitive advantage, um, you, you know, with people that stick with things. I like your point as well when you say repurpose content that's working. I mean, in a sense, if you look at traditional news outlets like, you know, TVs or newspapers, when there's a major story, they know people are interested in that major story, right? And they take every single angle that they can possibly find on that story, and which is essentially repurposing the theme of something that someone's interested in. So it's a similar with online. If there's an article that people are loving, I love that idea of just repurpose it. And, and I think it's a great idea to take your blog article and, and do a video of it or chat to someone about that content in that blog article. You've already got the bones of it. So um, I, I, that's definitely a, a nice takeaway for us here at Manage Flitter. So that's a really good one. Uh, uh, Sujan Patel, I really appreciate your time. You seem to be a very... I don't know how you juggle um, having a services uh, company and uh, as well as building the SaaS companies. Do you still love what you do? Yeah, every day I love what I do. My rule of thumb is I can't, uh, I refuse to do anything I don't love. And, uh, and so I love the, the mix between the, the SaaS companies and the services because on the SaaS side and the software stuff, we test, we, we poke, we prod, we break things uh, in terms of marketing. Uh, tactics and when they work when we scale them you know essentially we can apply it to the services side fantastic well um, we'll put uh, all your details on the show notes and people can link through and they can read some of your articles uh, which are fantastic and follow you on all the social platforms and uh, really appreciate your time in joining us on the podcast yeah thanks for having me it's been great the it's a monkey podcast is brought to you by check dog Use CheckDog to easily review and monitor your website for spelling errors, broken links, and broken images, all with the push of one button. CheckDog can also automatically monitor your website and notify you of newly introduced spelling errors. Go to CheckDog.com forward slash podcast to receive 50% off your first month subscription. CheckDog.com, helping the world's leading websites keep their content error-free. So Kate, that, that case study that I gave in the interview was really a real case study where I just struggled to find the software that oh, yes. I could plug a Skype into a Periscope or a Facebook Live. And it was just, it was incredible how hard I had to just 
peel into the depths of Google to find it. And they've got a great piece of software. That's a really a fantastic piece of software. And when I emailed in, they gave me great support and they've obviously worked hard on their product. Um, but just a couple of blog articles, a, a video, something somewhere about it. Yeah, it would have been super useful. Uh, which would have saved me 45 minutes and probably, you know, how many... Um, extra customers and you know you know the thing what, what I like about content marketing is that as opposed to maybe old school advertising content marketing forces you to really think about your customers slash your users it forces you to share a little bit of yourself it forces you to share a little bit about your company um, it's actually if the future of marketing is content marketing I think that's that's pretty it's pretty nice as opposed to just, you know, TV ads or something that just yeah, you know, I mean, inter- in interrupts you. It's not – sorry to – speaking of interruption, <laughs> but, the, you know, I mean, they actually call that interruption marketing, you know, TV ads, interruption marketing where you're enjoying something and they and because they've got you captive, uh, while you're enjoying this, we'll shove an ad in, as opposed to the more sort of, you know, engagement-type marketing where they – where people – where you're answering someone's question. They have a question and your piece of content answers that. Yeah, and uh, the the barrier to to entry for these sort of written articles is so low now with all the different platforms you can publish for free, um, and people people will seek answers, and that's the type of thing they want to find. They don't want to find a, a TV ad or a, a really spammy type of video. They want to find something that they can read and really dig their teeth into. Yeah, and answers and answers their question. You know, it's all about. It's all about adding that value, and um, there's no there's no escaping that it's hard work. I mean, we're small, uh, you know, we're a small company, and we try to churn out blog articles and put podcasts together, and 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 we try and 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 hope that someone somewhere, um, you know, obviously within our target market, loosely is is going to find something that we do um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, another interesting point he made too was. Uh, easy wins, so which I thought was quite interesting. You know, recycling old content, and I love uh, that. Yeah, yeah, and like, um, I guess like from Twitter, for example, you know, retweeting other people's and maybe just adding your own comment to it, for example. I think, yeah, I mean, I mean, um, Sujan made the point of you know a lot of people complain they don't have time for content marketing, right, or writing blog articles. Curate, yeah, right, curate, fantastic, like really great idea. Cur- Curate, you know, just say my favorites or my most interesting Twitter accounts or my most interesting services or people that I love to follow on Twitter um, or or even just, you know, what you do in your day-to-day life on the business side of things, wrap that into a blog article. So if you're changing accounting software providers and you spend half a day researching them. Yeah, talk about right? it. Talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Write a little article, even just bullet points. I'm looking at those, thinking of those. I think to change that headspace, and I'm really even trying to get this internally at Managed Flutter to, you know, really look at everything as an opportunity um, for a valuable, high-quality piece of content, you know. Yeah. Particularly sometimes it's not – it doesn't – it's just a mindset. It's just 10 minutes. It's just 20 minutes. And obviously all that time adds up, but it's not – hours and hours of having to prepare video and script a video and get production value in, you know. Um, and you can repurpose. If you're going to do a webinar, upload it to your YouTube channel, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's so many channels now. There's just, you know, heaps of audiences out there and, and customized as well, you know, like people on 
people on Facebook are, you know, you can treat them a little bit differently to the people on your YouTube channel, but even so, that video can can cross between the two. Yeah, so you you can repurpose it, but it's there's there's no escaping, you know, that that it does take um, does take time, and um, you know, I've sort of even though content marketing, the the techniques and the philosophies have become so well known, like everything in life, I think there's still so much opportunity just to do it do it consistently and rise above your competitors yeah sure i mean it's sort of like eating healthy like everyone knows everyone knows <laughs> they've got to do it yeah you know it's hard and to exercise <laughs> you know yeah i mean another thing too which a lot of um a lot of more visually uh what do you call it visually inclined brands for example uh cameras and you know, design programs, they they will get their customers to submit their work or their photographs. And then so someone's done all the hard work for you. You just need to put it together. And that it's an, a, another great point is if you can bring your users into it or your customers into yeah. it, you know, and even if, if you're a cafe or, um, you know, especially a consumer-facing company um, and run competitions and get them to photos and 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 write in reviews that you can use and so you know there's there's a lot of little opportunities for content every day and um, it's what the web's been built on from day one you know has always been about content and Google are this you know rule the world because they they help us wrangle this content. Um, and even if you're a very small business, even if you're a personal brand, I always tell my friends with consultancies, just just write, just write, you know, get in, just learn how to write. And it's definitely the one skill that, um, you know, the, the one great thing about the Internet, it's, there's, it's created a resurgence of the written, the written word or the importance of the written word. You, you're probably too young to remember, but actually before the Internet, there was a phase when... I don't know, you know, when TV was big, you know, or something, when kids only watched TV and teenagers only watched TV, there was a phase where the written word, it became a bit of a dying art, you know, and now because of the internet and because of blogging and, you know, even something as silly as a Facebook update or Twitter status, you still have to, you still have to craft a sentence. Yeah. And if you don't, you look pretty ridiculous, right? It's pretty obvious, right? Some of my, um, (laughs) my favorite articles lately have been circulating on Facebook are um, where people have curated like shocking spelling errors Mm -hmm. or, you know, typos that just sort of get um, read the wrong way and and they put them all into a a single article and, like, it's hilarious. I love them. You know, many years ago when uh, one of our other products, Check Dog, um, we we did some PR around it and what we did is we scanned the websites of the top universities in, in the world that was listed by, I think there's a listing of the top universities in the world and we scanned their websites and we ranked which had the most spelling errors. And do you know what the most commonly misspelt word on universities' websites are by far? I don't know. Take one guess. Uh, University? Bingo. Oh, really? (laughs) Right. See, if you're listening to the show now, Kate's, Kate's such a great team member because she's... She gets it. <laughs> a lot of common sense. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So university and uh, and we actually we made it onto um, radio and TV and uh, because it was quite it was quite controversial. I think I think um, one of the universities, Duke University, which is I think it's an Ivy League university. They they 
were the top of our survey in terms of bad spelling wow. errors. And uh, but where where's the error? Is it just everywhere. like in a capital letter, or are they swapping letters around? Swapping letters around. Really? Yeah. It probably still. I mean, we should update that survey or redo it, but. Um, you know, it was just proving the point that uh, our service, which monitors websites for spelling errors and broken links, is of value, especially for a university. That um, and spelling, you know, we d- we developed that product because scanning web pages for typos is hard to yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, students should invest in that. So <laughs> before they hand <laughs> their essays in. Yeah, so that was um, that that was interesting, but um, yeah, I mean, and there's also you know, I mean, even. Twitter or Facebook is is a form of content marketing, you yeah. know, as well. So uh, update those regularly or link to your blog or, you know, but commit a little bit every day. And you can find you can find help pretty cheap as well. You know, there's journalist students, right, that, yeah. that are looking to build their portfolio. And a lot of them are really smart and really capable, uh, you know, um, and put ads on, um, you know, some of these freelance sites. So you can, for for pretty cheap, start churning out some interesting articles relate, r- relating to your niche. Yeah. You know what else? One of my um, favorite apps is Medium. Mm-hmm. And it's great for, like, creating communities and publishing um, or publishing content in into these sort of groups that are pre-existing and then people who are already interested in your topic, they're there, they're ready, they're reading that. And they great. and it gets bumped into their algorithm and Yeah. I mean even just as a publishing tool, mediums, you know, they've got like big text and they've got autosave, you can put all these drafts in and then yeah, and they connect it with your Twitter account as well. And of course Medium is started by Ev Williams, who's one of the founders of Twitter. Mm. So um, he knows a uh, very, very smart guy. So um yeah, yeah, I've it's got. A great I've, platform. I've been um, creating a list of blog topics that I'm going to get going with the medium and trying to carve out some sort of more personal type um, topics on reflections of entrepreneurship than than directly related to Manage Flutter. Oh, yeah. nice. So just I've, on like your account or Manage Flutter? No, it won't be on my account, and maybe we can link it from the Manage Flutter blog or something like that. You know, but. Cool. Um, it's all on the push this year for for interesting content, you know. And um, next week, David Hanemeyer Hansen, DHH from Basecamp, creator of Ruby on Rails, hoping he's going to be on next week's podcast. I saw he did a Q&A on Quora. Quora does these live Q&As. Quora is also a really good platform. Quora is also a re- <laughs> gr- great, great point, right? It's also content marketing. Answer some questions. Yep. You can't hardcore sell there, but if you if you get seen as a thought leader in your space, you know, like I've I've read some amazing pieces by psychologists and authors, and you read this and it gets upvoted, and then you're like, wow, you are so smart. And guess what you do after that? You go into their profile and you see what they're about, and you click through to their website or their Twitter page. Yeah, so or even just see what else they have to say about other topics. Exactly. So I'm pretty sure they drive, you know, some business through. I have actually reached out to two people because of their articles and asked them a little bit about more what they do. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, Cora. So he did a, a live chat on um, Cora and, um, you know, we'll be chatting to him next week. I know almost everyone uses Basecamp, right? It's just... It's, I think so. I really like it anyway. It's 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 huge. It's huge. And um it's one of the few companies that um, the founder of Amazon invested in directly. 
okay. a few years ago, um, and they very um, Basecamp are very anti the, the the Silicon Valley model. They've that's the only funding they've ever taken. They were essentially bootstrapped, and they I wouldn't say they're anti the the Silicon Valley model. He's he's a bit critical. Him and Jason Fry and his, his co sort of founder, they're a bit critical that that's the narrative of that's the only way it can be done. They want to create more discussion around the fact that you can bootstrap or you can be based anywhere in the world as opposed to uh, Bay Area, raise money, build and go nuts and get crazy valuations and, and you know, so, but they're different metaphors. They, there's a lot of ways to approach life and, and to approach building businesses in life. Yeah. It's good they promote their variety though. And the different options, you know, you don't want people to think that there's only one way to do something. Yeah, and also, you know, Silicon Valley has become, um, you know, there is some criticism that a lot of the companies that get funded in Silicon Valley are by founders that are from a certain pedigree. They've A lot of them have gone to the top universities, you know, and the tight networks and obviously very smart and very hardworking. Don't want to take that away from them, but hard for an outsider, right? Hard for someone who doesn't tick that tick that box you know um mark zuckerberg you know went to harvard okay he didn't finish but he went to harvard and he he went to one of the top um high schools in the country yeah you know well you know they say it's who you know not what you know and it is you know but (laughs) but our industry we try to make it more egalitarian we it's it's all about access and opportunity um so it's great that people like the base camp um chaps are just saying you know don't don't obsess over over that one path there's many different ways of doing they're based in chicago i think david at the moment is in europe so nice um, lots of ways to do it if you're listening and you've always wanted to start a business do it do it (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's episode 78 of the it's a monkey podcast please follow us on twitter follow us on facebook um, you can check out our show notes um, and hop over to iTunes and give us a, a review. It helps others find this podcast, which helps us. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. See ya.